Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show. Coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska. Where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. Well, welcome everybody to the Must Read Alaska show. I'm your host, John Quick, and I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. We've got a special guest today, Senator Myers. But before we go into that, I want to thank our show sponsor, Gungerstein for Senate for sponsoring the Must Read Alaska show. It's because of her sponsorship that we're able to spread conservative news through all the nooks and crannies of Alaska. And we are very stoked about that. For those of you that don't know, we do have a Must Read Alaska app. If you go to the Google Play Store or the Apple Store on your phone and literally just type in Must Read Alaska, our app will pop up, number one. You can download that for free, folks. We've put a lot of time, money, and effort into that just for you. Uh, and if you like it, or if maybe you're listening, you've downloaded it a year ago and you've been using it for a year, make sure to give us a five-star review on uh, on uh, iTunes or the Google Play Store. It really helps us out. And if, you, if you've enjoyed this podcast over the last, I think, almost two years now, make sure to leave us a review as well. That helps out. So uh, without further ado, I want to welcome Senator Myers to the uh, Must Read Alaska show. Welcome. Morning, John. How are you doing today? Uh, been a long night. Uh, I'm, I'm at work. I'm up in Prudhoe right now. I just uh, delivered a load. I'm uh, going to head to bed here shortly. Nice. Well, uh, I love for folks that are listening on iTunes or Spotify, uh, the senator is literally in his truck right now, which is awesome. Pete, he's a uh, trucker by day, senator by night. And uh, it's pretty awesome to have somebody in the working class uh, represent folks in Alaska. I think there needs to be more of that in Alaska. So, Senator, how did you first get involved in politics? I know that uh, you you took somebody off the chopping block that had been there for a long, long time. Uh, but where did you first get involved in politics and what made you decide to run for senator? So um, I've been interested in politics for a long time. I was the annoying kid in high school that got into the political debates, you know, outside of class time and stuff, occasionally during class time. Um, but I, I really got uh, more enmeshed in it when I was in college. I did the university internship program. And uh, so I interned with Representative Peggy Wilson, who was representing uh, part of Southeast. She was out of Wrangell, also represented Sitka and Petersburg uh, while she was down there. And uh, learned a lot from her. Um, so that really kind of gave me the bug. Uh, got out of college, tried to get into politics a little bit more closely with some campaigns and stuff. Nothing really stuck. So I got into just uh, getting a career and I got married and had kids. And uh, then, you know, with the budget crisis and, and everything else that we've been facing the last few years. Um, at first, I thought, OK, you know, a lot of this is, is Governor Walker's fault. We'll, we'll figure something out after we uh, after, after we changed governors in 2018. And then he left office and then we had more of the same. And I decided that uh, it was it was time for uh, a new face in Juno. I was not happy with what I was seeing out of my senator at the time and uh, kind of had had a couple of uh, long talks with my wife about it. And 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 uh, and thought about it for a long time and uh and threw my hat in the ring 
Nice. Well, for folks that are listening, I got Senator Myers here. And, you know, there's there's many folks that are just kind of stay in their bubble. So tell tell a little bit about what your district is, uh, who you represent, where it's at for folks that are listening and don't know. Sure. So uh, I have been representing District B. Um, I live in North Pole. It covers uh, North Pole, about half of Badger Road. And then the old district included uh, kind of North Fairbanks, uh, Farmers Loop, Goldstream, uh, all the way out to Esther, kind of the, yeah, just the, the north side of Fairbanks with the new districts uh, with redistricting going on. I, I kind of have the east side of town of, of the borough now. So I still have that North Pole Badger Road area, but now I've got, um, <clears throat> still, I got Farmer's Loop. I have everything towards the east of that, uh, all the way up to Fox, out the East Highway. I've got all of Chena Hot Springs Road now, and then I have everything down the Richardson to the edge of the Fairbanks Borough, uh, so Salsha, Eilson, <clears throat> Harding Lake, Birch Lake. Nice. Well, I, one of the things I like about you is we often don't find uh, folks, let's say, that are on the Transportation Committee or chair of the Transportation Committee that are literally truckers. I mean, I, I, you could probably, I guess, count that happening on one hand in the all the United States, and uh, so. I think that's a blessing in disguise for us Alaskans that we have somebody on the, uh, that's the chair of the transportation committee that actually understands the day-to-day operations of what it looks to do something in the logistic field. So I think that's pretty awesome. Is there a couple of things that you're proud of the, of your first couple of years that you're able to accomplish? Um, I know that it was tough, you know, for the house and the Senate to kind of work together to get real conservative stuff done, but still the Senate had, a majority of Republicans and had a, a Senate president that, that was a Republican. Was there anything that stuck out to you in those first couple of years that you were super proud of that you were able to get done? So uh, for myself and my office, we were able to pass a couple of small bills uh, near the end of, of this of the session this year. Um, and of course, you know, even if it's a small bill, it's still an accomplishment to get something across the, the finish line. Uh, so much stuff can get lost near the end i got so much stuff can get get kind of lost in the tangle near the end i was i was glad we were able to get a couple of pieces across the finish line um as far as bigger policy wins um i was happy to see us get uh most of the reads act passed excuse me again that was you know kind of a last minute thing uh the the last minute maneuverings at the end of session but i was i was really happy to see that pass i think that's something that is a good long-term structural change that can really affect our education system in uh down the road here <clears throat> and then i think the the biggest thing you know we always talk about the budget and the pfd and and things of that nature and, you know it's it's the same thing we've been stuck on for the last you know six seven eight years now and i i think one of the things that i'm happiest about in in that regard even if things didn't necessarily go the way i wanted completely is I think we're changing the conversation um, along those lines. Six years ago, it was, how do we get through our budget crisis? And we, we continued to have that question of how do we get through our budget crisis? And I think these last couple of years, uh, partially because of some changes in the legislature, partially because of some of the changes in the different circumstances that we're in, uh, you know, the oil prices coming back and things like that. I think what is starting to happen is people are starting to think, okay, 
not what do we do this year? How do we make it through? I think people are starting to think a little bit more about what do we want our state to look like in 20 years? What the, the choices that we're making now that to get through these short-term situations, they have long-term consequences. And I think we're finally starting to think about the long-term consequences and, and how they're going to affect things, you know, 20, 30, 40 years from now when, when my kids are the ones that are, you know, out here in these jobs and, and, you know, maybe in politics and stuff. That's awesome. So one of the, one of the things that I was very excited that everybody was able to get through the finish line was the read by nine act. I think that that's just a great um, uh, piece of legislature that's going to literally help kids read by nine. It's pretty self-explanatory. Is could you explain to the folks uh, that are listening, maybe just high level points on that specific bill? I think it's a really important bill for kids. We have uh, Alaska's got some of the worst reading scores in the whole nation, um, some of the highest cost in the whole nation. And I, you know, I think that bills like this uh, might be tough to execute, but I think are also very good to aim for. We got to aim for something and this puts a target uh, on the wall for us to aim at. So can you explain that bill just a little bit for folks and sure. why it's maybe important for Alaskans? Sure, absolutely. So the, the Read by Nine program is something that was created in Florida almost 20 years ago. And to, to help bring up reading scores, you, you the idea is just you focus in really hard on those first few years of, of kids learning to read, hoping that that's going to pay dividends down the line that you'll end up with, you know, for example, less remedial education in in high school because you've got the kids the foundation that they need at the beginning. And so Florida put it in first. Uh, I think we're up to about 20 states that have, have done a version of it. Uh, Mississippi famously put it in about 2014, and they had been uh, near the bottom like we like we are in terms of, uh, of fourth grade reading scores. And they're now about middle of the pack. And so I'm hoping that in three or four years, we can be uh, somewhere in the same neighborhood. And the idea is you do uh, a couple of years of fairly intensive testing. It's not high stakes testing in terms of, of uh, failing the kids, but the point is to find the kids that need the intervention, find the teachers that are having a harder time with it. You hire reading specialists to go into those classrooms where certain teachers are having some harder times and and yeah, just bring everybody up to the, the grade level where they need to be so that they've got that foundation uh, as they move forward in school. Yeah, uh, you can't go wrong with trying to get kids to read at an earlier age. So kudos uh, for working on that. I think that that is a very important bill. And uh, I'm excited to see the fruits of, the, of that bill down the road. Like you said, Mississippi, for folks that are listening, just go Google Mississippi and read by nine act. Uh, you'll see that they were literally at the bottom and they hovered back to the middle, maybe a, a little bit more towards the top in a matter of a couple of years, which is a pretty big accomplishment. And I hope we do the same. Um, so uh, what are you going to work on the next uh, couple of years or maybe the next year? I know you have election coming up. So uh, after you win, what's what some of your things that you're going to be working on this next year and hope to accomplish? Well, so these last couple of years, in a lot of ways, we're just me get, kind of getting my feet wet. We ran a couple of smaller bills. Um, so now we're, we've got a couple small ones that we're, we're thinking about, um, you know, 
to some extent, we're kind of waiting to see how things shake out in an organization to see which bills it's worth putting in. Um, but one that I, I really am hopeful for that we spent a lot of time on this year, um, since I'm the transportation chair, we're putting together a, a reform bill for the marine highway system. And the idea is to put the marine highway system into a corporation and uh, that gives them their own governance structure so that they're not getting jerked around by DOT every couple of years as we bring in new, new governors and new DOT commissioners who all have a different vision. We give them some continuity there. We uh, change the funding instead of it just being, you know, whatever the legislature decides to give them, we're going to try to uh, give them a contract so that they can plan farther ahead and figure out, uh, you know, what they need to do in terms of not just their operations, but in terms of their vessel maintenance and vessel replacement and, uh, and, and solve, you know, kind of the, the long-term structural issues. We want to get them off of this, this yo-yo, this roller coaster that they've been on for a number of years and give them some long-term stability, a little bit more business planning, a little less politics. Well, that sounds like that's going to be a quite the task to tackle. I think that uh, that's much needed though. I, you know, I look at, as you, as you say that, one of the things I, I look at as a good example of trying to accomplish kind of what you just described is the Alaska Mental Health Trust. I think that they, uh, they've been a, a shining light of what do you look like as a you know, they don't even call themselves a government organization, even though they're kind of a quasi government organization, but they're self-sustaining. They sell land to, to, to uh, pay for their budget and they just do that every year. So I think that uh, the model that you're going for would be awesome. And uh, I think it's, a, it's gonna come as you know, with um, some, some loud people on both ends of the spectrum. So. Uh, much luck to you as you try to tackle that. That's going to be quite the interesting feat if you are able to accomplish that. So, um, you know, you yeah, I, we, up, go for it. Yeah, I, I just wanted to say that, that you know, we've, we, uh, we put together a bill and put it on the table and we had eight hearings in the Transportation Committee this last year. And the idea was to put it out on the table, get people talking about it, amend the bill so that it's something that is uh, a good product now and we can use what we finished with last year to start this coming year and 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 try to push it forward you know last last year was just getting it out in the open and seeing who were who was interested in it um i've got jesse keel on the transportation committee he represents juno and and you know he was he was a big help in this one and of course he's much more interested in in much more involved in the ferry system than I am because it affects his communities. But that's part of the reason I wanted to tackle it is because I don't have a vested interest. I have a vested interest in solving problems, but it's not nearly so so uh, emotional. You're you're not using the ferry so, system in the North Pole. <laughs> not so much. No, it doesn't quite make it up that far. <laughs> so uh, one of the things you you started your uh, political career um, beating Coghill, which is, you know, he'd been there forever. And um, most people that know him uh, know him as a very nice person, Christian guy. Um, and how the heck did you manage to beat him? Because he is like a, you know, juggernaut. You know, if somebody would have said three years ago, who's institution. One top, yeah. One of the top people that you're never going to lose, he would be at the very top of the list. And you just seem to come out of nowhere and just 
be a, like a normal person, which I think helped you win and talked about normal things that people care about and you ended up winning. But tell, tell this listeners a little bit about how you did that, because I think it gives people hope because there's a lot of folks in their districts, in their communities, in their boroughs that are like, I'm not qualified. I don't know how to do this. I just, you know, I manage a this or I manage a that or I've never been in politics or whatever the excuse may be. And um, you help kill a lot of those barriers uh, overnight, I think, for a lot of folks that are wondering if and when they should run. So give us a little uh, rundown on how the heck that happened. So going into it, I knew uh, a couple of things. Uh, one was I knew that there were a lot of people unhappy with him. So all I had to do was put my name on the ballot. And I'd get 20% of a protest vote. So then the question is, how do you get it from 20 to 50? I also knew I wasn't going to raise a lot of money um, <clears throat> because, you know, he's the name. He's been there for a while. He's been doing this. I'm brand new at this. I'd been around a couple of campaigns, so I kind of knew the work level of what I was getting into, but I didn't know all the organization. I obviously don't have, didn't have the contacts uh, along those lines. And so I knew I wasn't going to raise much money. Um, I, I raised $6,000 before the primary. He had 50. Wow. Um, <laughs> and, and so I knew that I was going to have to do things on the cheap. And my, really my biggest goal was to get my name out there and to show people that I wasn't, just you know an angry crank because we, we get those in Fairbanks you know people that are are just you know mad at the system and they put their name on the ballot and they don't know what they're doing and then we get some people that you know they know what they're doing and and you know it's how do you weed those those guys out so I knew I needed to um, start knocking on doors and uh, just start talking to people let them know what my ideas were um, and then about three months after I declared COVID hit. And so people didn't want you on their doorsteps. That got a little harder. Um, so I turned to a lot of social media, um, just, just Facebook. I don't have a Twitter account, um, but I, I did a lot of posting on, on Facebook and used kind of my friend's network to help push some of those, those posts out to, to get myself some name recognition. And uh, as, as things got warmer in the summer, I did some video clips and stuff, put those out on Facebook. And uh, then I think the biggest thing, one of the biggest things that really helped me was uh, District 3 at the time, now 33, the, the North Pole area. They hadn't had a primary for either the Senate or the House in 20 years. And so they put together this event of a debate between myself and Senator Coghill. And I set up to video that. And I went into that thinking, all right, I just need to show that I am a serious candidate, that I know what I'm talking about. And if I come out as a draw, I'll call that a win. And we went into that debate and I think I did fairly well. And people weren't really happy with Senator Coghill's answers. And so I was able to take that debate, put it out on Facebook. I took uh, some of the clips I saw out that. of it. I, I ended up seeing that video. It was a good video. Oh, okay, good, good. Yeah. Um, I, I took some of the clips out of it. I put it on my website, um, was able to spread a, a, a lot of those around. And um, <clears throat> between that and the knocking on doors, I barely eked out a win, just, just barely, uh, by all the 14 votes. But 
Wow. Yeah. You know, as you said, you know, it's, it's still possible for somebody to, to come out of nowhere. You know, you, you have a, you know, somebody that you just have to have somebody that knows what they're talking about that studied up on the issues and yeah, it's still possible to come out of nowhere and, and get involved in this stuff. Well, for folks that are listening, he just gave the formula on how you knock somebody off the chopping block. And, you know, in all seriousness, there's, we get messages all the time. I must read Alaska. How do I make a difference? You know, I'd run, but this person's been there for so long. I never win. You are literally the, um, you know, the walking example of step in the ring and just give it a try because he raised 50,000, you raised six. He had probably all the big name people around town cutting checks and you had your friends and a camera on Facebook and man, you beat him by 14 votes. So kudos to you. I think that's, that's inspiring for a lot of folks that are out there wondering, should I even try? And I think the answer is yes, you should try. So the next question is this, how does somebody make a difference in this um, political world today? You know, you have polarization on both sides of the table, the Republicans, not necessarily um, uh, in the Senate because they were able to get along, but definitely in the House, it's like they couldn't do anything uh, besides agree on maybe the fact that the, the color of that chair was blue. And, uh, you know, it just seems like a stalemate. You know, nobody wants to talk to each other. Nobody wants to accomplish anything. Even if you all are, even in the Senate, if you all are working together, the perception is from the outside that nobody wants to get anything done. How does, how does somebody make a difference in the political world today? I think it's um, a very uh, sometimes frustrating uh, situation people find themselves in and they find their elected officials in. So. Um, somebody that's listening, that's a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad or a soccer mom or a soccer dad's got two jobs, how do they still make a difference? So I would say two things, really. Um, one is, you know, we, we, we tend to focus on everything at the national level. And we get angry about that. And, you know, whatever Congress is doing or the Supreme Court or, or, or you know, President Biden or, or whatever. And, and it's really easy to get angry at that stuff. But there's not much that you or I as average Alaskans, average citizens are going to be able to do about that. I would say step one is focus on the local level, focus on your city council, your borough, and to some extent the state, because this is still a small enough state that, that we really are in a lot of ways, just one big community. And, uh, you know, focus on those on, on those smaller areas where it's easier to get your neighbors together and talk to them and say, Hey, we need to fix some problems here and, and get things together. Uh, the other thing I would say is really examine your principles and what you want to get accomplished. It's easy to get mad about something and say, this is wrong. It's harder to say, this is what we need to do to fix it. Um, <clears throat> as Republicans, as conservatives, in a lot of ways, what we have, uh, what kind of where our ideology kind of solidified was back during the Reagan years. And I loved a lot of the things that President Reagan said and did, but this is not necessarily the 1980s anymore. Some circumstances have changed. Our principles shouldn't change, but our policies need to reflect both our principles and our circumstances. And so some of those have to change. And so I think we need to look at ourselves and look at each other and go, we're conservatives. These are our principles. 
is what we're doing looking back at the 1980s or something like that still going to work or do we need to do something a little different and actually examine you know give give get some concrete examples of where we're actually trying to go what we're actually trying to accomplish rather than just getting mad about how messed up things are i like it one of my mentors a number of years ago told me you have an opportunity to do two things in life to create a solution or complain about the problem and uh I think that oftentimes, it, sadly, it's easier just to complain about something and move on. But the only thing that's going to make a difference, whether it's you're upset with your city, your borough, your service area, the list goes on, help create a solution. You know, there's always like here in the Kenai Peninsula borough, um, you know, the mayor's got, I don't know, seven different service areas. People could serve on those boards. Um, cities have, uh, community boards that people can serve on. There's so many different opportunities for folks to get involved um, rather than just to go off on Facebook. So I want to encourage folks with what you just encourage them to do is get in the game and help find a solution. It doesn't mean you lose your passion or, you know, you always have to be high-fiving and kissing butterflies. Uh, it just means that you're working towards a solution instead of just always pointing out the negative stuff. So Kudos to you for having that thought. Um, so you're running for re-election. Uh, okay. I think I think every senator except for one is running because of the census and the redistricting. Uh, for folks that are wanting to get involved in your campaign, maybe they want to volunteer, maybe they want to ask you questions because they just moved to the North Pole, or they want to cut you a big old fat check. How does somebody find you and get involved in your campaign? Uh, so two places. Uh, if you want to uh, contact us, uh, you can find my Facebook page. That's uh, look for Myers for Alaska, M-Y-E-R-S for Alaska. And that's got links to the website and uh, email, or you can message us over Facebook. Uh, and then the website, uh, MyersforAlaska.com. Uh, that's got the links for donations. Uh, we can take uh, PayPal or credit card over there as well. Um, but yeah, if, if uh, somebody wants to, you know, hold signs or wants to go out knocking on doors, uh, you know, we're, 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 we're kind of uh, going through the fundraising phase right now. We'll be gearing up um, through the, uh, the, the, you know, active campaign phase here pretty soon. So we'll, we'll be needing some volunteers. Uh, it's a little weird this year with the, the whole jungle primary thing, you know, a couple of years ago, it was yeah, you know, July and first half of August, you know, you needed to get out there and, and get campaigning real hard because that was the primary. And now it's, well, I'm not sure how much the primary counts now because we've got three of us. So we all know we're already making it all the way to November. Um, but, uh, you know, we're for uh, uh, to some extent, September, definitely in October, we're going to be need to get out there, knock on doors. Um, you know, if, if people are, are in the district and, and uh, are willing to hold an event. Because, uh, you know, a couple of the more far flung areas, I won't be knocking on doors. I'll be trying to hold events in central locations instead. Um, then, you know, I, I'd love to love to hear uh, have some people volunteer uh, their homes or their business if, if they've got a, a large area where we can gather people together. So, yeah, plenty of ways to get get involved. Nice. What if somebody lives in your district and, you know, you're currently the elected senator, if they have a constituent you know, question or emergency, how does somebody get a hold of your office? So my office, uh, you can email me, uh, sen.robert.myers at akleg.gov. 
uh, or you can call the oh crud, the office number. Uh, let's go with uh, 465-3179. Nice. That's, that's impressive. Ju- you were able to remember it. <laughs> that's, that's actually the Juno number, but that's actually, but it's forwarded to the Fairbanks office yeah. right now. I do have two staff members still working for me right now. Um, and we're still fielding uh, constituent questions uh, over over the interim, you know, whether you've got uh, a problem with dealing with a, a state agency or you've got a question about uh, a law, you, you know, you you think needs to get changed, you know, something along these lines, you know, yeah, give the give the office a call or give me an email. Uh, the, the bigger the issue, the better it is to have have an email, because then we've got a paper chair and we've got all the details in one place so we can help try to track things down. Nice. Well, Senator, uh, any other last uh, thoughts or words uh, before we head off here? The floor is yours. Anything you'd miss that you wanted to talk about? Well, I just just say um, thanks for for having me on today, John. I'm I'm happy to be here, and um, yeah, happy to be well. Yeah, happy to be running again. And uh, I I'm very grateful for the support that I got two years ago in the primary and the general to put me where I am now. And I I hope that uh, I've I've earned everybody's trust with my actions over the last couple of years, and I hope I've earned your vote again for this year. Well, I can tell you that our folks like you, so I think you're going to have some success there getting reelected, and we wish you nothing but success here at Mustard, Alaska in your uh, bid for reelection. And let's have you back on when uh, you're working on that ferry bill. I think that that's very interesting and exciting and a much-needed solution to uh, uh uh, issue that hasn't seemed to have a good solution to it for years. So um, thanks for coming on the Mustard Alaska show. Really appreciate it. And we want to thank our show sponsor, Gungerstein for Senate for sponsoring the Mustard Alaska show. It's because of her sponsorship that we're able to get conservative news through all the nooks and crannies of Alaska. You can go check her campaign out. She's running for U.S. Senate. She's a nonpartisan um, candidate and uh, she's pro energy and has a couple of things to say about Joe Biden. Uh, she was on our podcast and was uh taking some pot shots at them, which I always love. So um, until next time from somewhere in Alaska, I'm John Quick, uh, and we'll see you next time. Hope you have an awesome and wonderful weekend, everybody.